Well, I ask you this morning, what happens in our minds and in our hearts if we drift away from God? What happens in our minds and in our hearts if we commit a horrible sin against God after saying, I will never do that? What happens? some pain that you've carried far too long then strengthen your heart with this good news there is a Savior and He's forgiven Grace, 
of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mount abhorred, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled, talking about grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace. That is greater than all our sin. Sing that chorus with me. Thank you for grace that is greater than all my sin. Lord, I know that uh, I have failed you. And I have disappointed you. I know, Lord, that I have drifted. And I know, Lord, that I have done the very thing that I said I would not do because of my commitment to you. And Lord, again, I am sorry. And again, I say thank you for your great grace, for your great grace. Work in this service, work in our hearts, encourage us, O Lord, with the gospel of grace. 
In the name of Christ, amen. So what happens? What happens? What happens? Early church greeting after Easter, and you realize Easter was just last Sunday morning, right? Just last Sunday morning, and after Easter, a very common greeting for the church was this. The leader would say something like this, Christ is risen, and the congregation would say, Christ is risen indeed. Let's try that. Christ is risen Let's do it one more time. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. Please take your Bible and look with me at John, the 21st chapter. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus showed himself to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And this is what happened. Simon and some of the other disciples were fishing. Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's always, a, that's always great words in my ears, man. I love to fish. <laughs> and Simon says, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They went out and immediately they got in the boat and they fished all night. They caught nothing. But when morning had come, Jesus was standing on the shore and the disciples did not recognize him. Now, this is a post-resurrection pattern. Jesus showing up and the disciples not actually visually connecting with who, who is that guy. And Jesus said to them, he calls out to them. He says, children, do you have anything to eat? And they said, no. <laughs> Go to 7-Eleven. <laughs> and he said, cast your net on the other side of the boat and you will find something to eat. So they did what Jesus said, and they caught a multitude of fish that was so big they could not drag it in without hope. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon heard that it was the Lord, I just love Simon. Simon is highly animated. Uh, Simon uh, sometimes uh, speaks before he thinks. But I want you to understand something. Jesus handpicked Simon to be one of the three most influential among the 12. And Paul, the apostle Paul, identifies himself as the, the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter, the apostle to the Israel, Israelites or the Jews. And I'm really not all that fond of kicking Simon in the shins this morning. He is a great man of God. But Simon, he, he puts on his clothes. Now, he's in the middle of the water, for pity's sake. He puts on his outer garment, and he jumps into 
the sea, and he swims to shore. The other disciples, they came in the little boat, about 200 cubits. That's how far they were out dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153 And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, likewise the fish. Now, this is the third time that Jesus shows up after his resurrection. So when they had eaten uh, breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said again to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, I don't know that this was just rapid fire, okay? Uh, This may have been a question and then conversation. It may not have just happened bang, bang, bang like that. Very possibly, Uh, He asked him that, and they may have slipped into some kind of conversation. But Jesus comes around and he asks again the same question. Simon, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him the second time, Simon, feed my sheep. And then... In the sequence of this visitation, Jesus asks the third time, uh, Simon, I have a question for you. Simon, do you, do you really love me? Do you really love me? And Peter finally is aggravated. It's a good grief. How how many times do we have to go over this? Lord, you know I love you. You know everything. Lord, you know my heart. You you know my, my thoughts. You know my emotions. You know everything about me. Lord, you know. You of all people who can see into the depths of a person's soul, you of all people know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, let's go to days before. Am I controlling this or are you controlling this? I'm controlling this? All right, good deal. Days before, let's go back to Luke. The 22nd chapter and the 54th verse. We're working backwards, okay? So after this account, working backwards, there is the resurrection. Working backwards, there's a burial. Working backwards, there's a death. Working backwards, there is this horrendous trial that goes on. And they arrested Christ, and they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance, 
Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked at him. She, she looked at him like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Just bang, just like that. And she said, oh, man, I know you. You, you used to run with a guy that's on trial, with this Jesus guy. And, and Peter said, no, uh, you, you've got to be mistaken. It wasn't me. You've got the wrong guy. Then about after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And I think I missed one in the reading, but it happened as Jesus said. Peter denied the Lord that night while he was on trial three times. Now then, even more interesting than that, I want you to look, let's look back. We're working backwards. I want you to look at 22 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, or some versions, when you have converted, it's the same concept. I have prayed for you that you should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. But Simon said to him, let me see where we are here. Bang, yep. Boom, boom. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. And Simon said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. This is Simon's bold promise. Lord, I have got your back. It doesn't matter what anybody does. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Lord, I have got your back. I will not cut and run on you. You can count on me. It's a bold promise, amen? amen. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times. You will say, I don't, I don't know that man. Now then, let's look and ask this question. What did Jesus know? He, he knew what would happen in Peter's life during his failure. Even more, he knew what would happen in Peter's life after his failure. He knew what would happen before, during, and he knew what would happen after. And I want you to look at what the Lord says to Peter after that. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when, say that word when with me. It's not if. Interesting, isn't it? You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen during his failure but he also knew what was going to happen after the failure. And he didn't say, because of what he knew, 
He did not say, and if you return to me, but he said, when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. And I think this is an amazing truth here. Jesus is looking beyond Peter's glaring failure to his glorious future. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Amen? The old song, he looks beyond my fault. He not only sees our need, he sees our potential fulfilled by the power of the almighty God. So here's how it works out in real time. Peter denies the Lord three times. Peter hears the rooster crow. Jesus looks at Peter. Peter runs away, and then Peter weeps bitterly over his horrible failure, his horrible sin, his horrible setback. And the early church said something like this, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. My clicker, my clicker, my clicker is, okay, here we go. Now, Malachi 4.2, this guy is the last guy to speak before a, uh, 450 years of silence in the church. The church did not hear the voice of God through a prophet for 450 years. Call this the intertestamental period. It's dark. It's very very dark. And then after 450 years, John the Baptist jumps on the scene and he is the forerunner of Jesus. But this is what Malachi says. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And he's talking about Jesus there. And the first application is not the resurrection, even the word arise is being used. The first application is just the fact that Christ arises up out of Israel's history. He steps out on the stage of time, the son of righteousness, the son of God, he will arise with healing in his wings. But I do not think we do the text any damage by connecting this concept directly to the resurrection because Jesus didn't get out of the grave with revenge, but with redemption on his mind. He did not say, I'm going to track down all of those horrible men who did this to me, and I am going to track down my own apostles, my own disciples who cut and run when I needed them most. That is not how Jesus got out of the grave. He got out of the grave not with revenge, but with redemption on his mind. So here's how redemption works out in the life of Peter. Buddy, it ain't, okay. Can, okay, can you just stay with me? You got me? Okay. And if you get a little, uh, a little ahead or a little behind, nobody's hair is going to be on fire. We'll be fine, okay? All right. So here's how restoration works out uh, in Peter's life in real time. Mark 16, let's go to that passage right now. The angel said to them, this is after the resurrection, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. 
See the place where they laid him. The next verse is so important. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now here's how restoration works out in Simon Peter's life in real time. We're going to just stay right there on that slide for just a moment. Peter had this bold promise, and then he had a bad performance, amen? He said, Lord, you can count on me. I'm never going to run off. I'm never going to leave you. You can count on me. And then he gets in the kitchen, and it gets a little hot. And somebody says, you know, I I think you're running with this guy, this guy that's on trial for blaspheming. Uh, Not me. Time passes. Yeah, I, I really think, I, I recognize you. you. You ran with that guy, Peter. Uh, you, I know that you were in that group that just kind of always followed this guy around. He said, no, you're, you're mistaken, not, not me, not me. It comes up again, one of the, one of the uh, gospelers say, and he swears with an oath. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. And suddenly... Just like Jesus said, the rooster crowed, Simon heard it. Jesus looked at Peter. Peter looked at Jesus. Peter ran away, sobbing, weeping over his horrible, horrible failure. And in John 21, Jesus asked him three times. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter responds, you know I love you. Three times, Jesus says, feed my sheep. In essence, take care of of my church and it connects it, it connects thematically with what Jesus said before all of this happened when he said Simon Simon Satan has desired to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail and when you have converted when you return to me after this horrible meltdown When you return to me, Simon, I want you to strengthen the church. I want you to strengthen my brothers. And Peter says, that's not going to happen. And Jesus said three times this night, it will happen. And you will hear the crowing of the rooster and all of this conversation will come back to you. And when you have returned to me, take care of my church, strengthen my brothers. 
the immediate understanding of that is Peter was not the only one who cut and run. How many of you remember the story? If you remember the story, say, I remember. Who else cut and run? Say it out loud. All of them. That is absolutely right. That is absolutely right. Simon's first reach of encouragement is going to be the other disciples who did exactly what he did, only not so out front, not so visibly, not, not, not so whatever that was. They did it very quietly. That They had not made the bold promises so much. Peter was so out front. They also cut and run. And I guarantee you, every one of those guys felt sometime the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the remorse over the failure. And we don't know how it works out in real time. But as these guys were still in Jerusalem, huddled up, you can almost hear them talking late at night after they have preached the gospel and taught new believers. You can almost hear one of them sitting around, sharing a drink, sharing a bite of food, looking back on the day. You can almost hear one of them say, man, I can't believe that I cut and run. I can't believe that I didn't stand with the Lord. I didn't believe, I can't believe that I, I left him like that. Can you imagine Simon Peter, this great big fisherman, man of God? Can you imagine him slipping his arms around those disciples and saying, guys, guys, The grace of God is greater than our sin. <laughs> Amen? Amen? God's grace. God's grace is greater than our sin. Simon, when you have returned to me, strengthen the church. Feed my sheep. Nourish my sheep. Take care of my people because Simon... They are going to do exactly what you have done. They are going to make bold promises and then a bad performance is going to follow and it's going to result in a broken, shameful heart. And Simon, I want you to put your arms around them and say, listen, there is amazing grace that offers glorious hope after we sin against God. Wow. So what is Jesus doing here? What, what is going on here? Jesus is redeeming Peter. Jesus is restoring Peter. Jesus is reaffirming Peter. Jesus is reclaiming Peter. And Jesus is recommissioning Peter. When I sin, when I drift, when I fail, when I make bold promises, and then my performance is absolutely horrible, and my heart is broken with shame and embarrassment and regret, 
I want you to understand that I am no different than Peter and neither are you. Jesus works for our reconciliation. He welcomes me to reunite with him. And he wants me to return to living with him and working for him. So what keeps us from returning to Jesus after huge failures? Uh, I just have to be honest with you this morning about myself. I have lived the Simon scenario. I've said, I'm never going to do that. I've turned right around and caught myself doing the very thing that disappoints God, the sin that displeases God. I found myself doing the very thing, horrible sin, that I said I would not do. And I will be honest with you. It is very hard for me because of the sense of failure, because of the sense of shame, because of the sense of guilt. It is very difficult for me to stand before a holy God with my miserable sin. And I just want to somehow ignore it. And hope that we can just sweep it under the rug. And just go on. But Jesus said, when you return to me, returning is not sweeping it under the rug and acting like it did not happen. Returning is me standing before a holy God and saying, God, oh, I have made a mess. I have made a mess. I, I have sinned against you. And I have disappointed myself. And I think that some of that is what people get stuck on. I can tell you as I work through the process in my own life, that the best thing that I can do this way and the best way that I, thing that I can do this way is run to God with my sin and say, here it is, it's ugly, it's horrible, I don't like it, I know you hate it. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Sometimes there's a fear of failure. Sometimes we say, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to deal with this because I, I don't want to go through this again. Well, here's the deal, folks, you're going to. And I hate that. I hate that. That is not permission. That, that is not glossing over. But, but you're going to fail again. If you live very long, you will fail again. And some people say, I'd rather not try knowing that I am going to fail, knowing that I am going to feel this embarrassment all over again. Join the Christian church. Paul says this, there is something in me that wants to do right, but I find this law working in me. And here's how it works. Because of my sinful flesh, there are times that when I want to do good, I just don't do it. Can you say me too? Amen? Amen. Wow. 
And we think, God is probably too disgusted with me to have anything at all to do with me. I don't know about you, but that's how it kind of plays out in my life at times. God, how, how can you even mess with me? I, I have failed so miserably so many times. How can you have anything to do with me? So how do I find hope? Courage to return to God after drifting, after sinning, after failing. Uh, can you say, Praise God for the Bible, amen? Wow, praise God for the Bible. That this story, none of Peter's failure had to be told. But it is so immediately relevant. The Holy Spirit says, this story has got to be told over and over and over again. Because it is not pagans that need this story. It is God's people, believers who fail and wonder, is there any hope for me after my miserable sin? Uh, so what do we do? We thank God for the Bible and we, we remember Peter's story. And as we look at Peter's story, we understand God's heart, God's desire for us does not change toward us when we fail him miserably. Now, don't you ever think for one minute that God just glosses it over. The cross is a whole lot more than a gloss over. Amen? When we sin, when we drift, when we fail, God's heart, God's desire for us does not change. And I lift my hand and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we need to remember the rest of Peter's story. I've already alluded to it. I have already alluded to it. But before this whole drama ever plays out, Jesus stands in Peter's life and he said, Simon Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And it's when we make bold promises and then follow them with a bad performance and our heart and our spirit is broken. That precisely is when our faith can fail. It's, it is the time that many just say, I'm done. I'm done. But God looks beyond Peter's glaring failure and he sees a glorious future and that potential is for me and that potential is for you. We will not judge Peter's life by one incident. He goes on to love God. And a few days after this, he gets up in the middle of Jerusalem that is jam-packed with Jews that have come from every point of the compass to celebrate Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, 
Peter, who once denied him, declared him boldly. And he said, let me tell you something. Jesus, the one that you crucified, is the answer to your sin problem. If you will come to him, he will forgive you and make you right with God. Man. And he goes on to be an amazing man of God. Uh, History, tradition tells us that Peter is crucified for his faith in Jesus Christ. When it was a life or death, Peter stood firm and he said, you know what, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Turn me upside down, crucify me upside down. Man, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. As a child of God, as a child of God, there may be horrible things in your life that plague you horrible things in your life as you look back over the landscape of your history and you say, I have made a mess. And you may have been reluctant to come to a loving God who has grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Today, I want you to know there's a quick road back to the heavenly father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. Glory to his name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. He's good. He loves us. And he's got grace. He's got mercy for us. That is greater than our sin. So what do we do? How do we get, on, get in on God's reconciliation, restoration plan for our life? What do we do? We respond to his glorious invitation. We reconcile through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we return to the work that he gives us. Don't stay out there in no man's land. Stay out there in the darkness of your failure. Step into the light of his glorious grace and let God make the difference in your life as a child of God. Mm. There are burdens in your heart. is your past a memory that binds you. Is there some pain that you have carried far too long and strengthen your heart with this good news. There is a Savior. <laughs> He's forgiven you. He's forgiven you. Today, for somebody here, this is a day of freedom for you. This is a day when you say, Lord, I need exactly what that guy is talking about. I need exactly what Peter got. Lord, today, I want to be fully reconciled to you. Can we pray together? God, we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. But Lord, we stray, we sin, 
we don't justify it, we don't excuse it. Lord, we bring it to you and we say, oh God, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to look at my sin with you and I'm going to repent. And Lord, I just thank you that you say, oh, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there is a precious soul here today just weighted down with uh, their past failures and embarrassments, I pray, Lord, that they would reach out to you today. They would come to you today. Say, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you. Forgive me. Forgive me. Oh, God, you will. In Christ's name. Just want you to just sit there for a minute. How is God sinking the wonderful truth of grace into your life today? How is he saying, yes, what that guy up in front, what he is saying is all true, and it is for you. You have wrestled with your past failures long enough. I love you. I will forgive you. My heart toward you has not changed. And then he invites us to reach out and get a hold of his grace with a shaky hand of faith. And then God does the rest and he will restore, he will restore us. He will restore us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to do any of that this morning. I I just don't think I need to do what God is already doing. But I am going to ask the preacher to come and stand with me. Will you just come and stand with me? I'm going to ask, uh, ask if she, Ashley, will you come and stand on the other side with me this morning? Preacher, just stand right here with me. Oh. Can we just do a little dialogue together this morning? Andy, have you ever found yourself in this sermon? Me too, buddy. (laughs) Is it any fun? No. It is no fun, is it? Is restoration wonderful? Will God restore us? Do you know that? Have you experienced that? Praise God, sweetie pie. What about you? Have you found yourself in this story? Have you failed at times? Have you felt the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment? Have you also felt God's grace wash over your soul? See, folks, we're just like you. We're just like you. I am going to stand you up because it's impossible for you to get across all those knees and come here if that's what you need to do. If God is encouraging your heart to come and pray, guys over here, Andy's going to pray with you, gals over here, preacher's wife, Ashley is going to pray with you over here. If you need to come and get a good bucket full of God's grace flowing in your heart, just stand with me, all of you, just stand with me right now. I want you to just step out and say, praise God, 
there is hope for my future. I have made a mess. I have done things I never thought I would do as a believer, as a follower in Christ. But there is hope for me. There is hope for me. So as the musicians play and the singers sing, will you just step out and say, Lord, I am coming. Lord, I am coming. And I'm going to get the grace that you have for my life today. Jump in.